Hello and welcome to your daily dose of commentary. Today we start with the topic. Rockstar is discontinuing GTA Online? So I am very angry chat. Rockstar support put out a very worrying message yesterday. From Rockstar support. Due to hardware limitations, there will not be any more GTA Online updates coming to PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. Visit rockstargames.com for more information. And they link it. I had just woken up when I saw this. And I said here, this got me for exactly 15 seconds. Because it is fake, obviously. But I typed out a response and hit send before I was like, as awful as Rockstar are, there's no way they're doing this. So I scrutinized the account. I'm like, okay, it is fake. But this was my response for that 15 seconds. No updates to PC because of hardware limitations. Hardware limitations on PC. You must be barking mad, you sniffling bloody bastards. Didn't even have the balls to put on your main account so people would see it. Light on my face, Rockstar, not behind my back. It's like, okay, it's probably not real. I should probably like check in 15 seconds. Oh, it's not real, delete. <laughs> Cause um, the account says Rockstar. Everything else here is correct, just not Rockstar. But where did I see this message? I saw it from Mudaha. Mudaha said, why not PC in response to the post? And it stayed up for like five hours. And that's partly probably why I thought it had a bit more legitimacy because it had been like that for five hours. Your Mudaha says here, yeah, I fell for the beta count. And I responded, and you pulled me in with you, ha. Huh. Pretty funny. Destiny's dumb react content claims made me lose sleep. I'm tired chat, and it's for a very stupid reason. So as some of you will know, I am working on my essays for my next anti-react series thing. Largely just finishing the essays that I said I would finish four months ago, but kept, kept putting off because they're just too annoying to make. And so a part of that was that I said I would finally, after all this time, watch the reaction that Destiny did to my Hassan Pika video, right? So in preparation to do that, I used YTKS to search Destiny's channel for any specific references to me that could provide additional material that I might need to make such a video. And it's most of what you'd expect. It's just a lot of him lying and saying some weird stuff about me. I seem to have hurt his pride a lot, but that's not what kept me up. There was this claim that he made not related to me. It just happened to be near where he said Viper once. And it was about the rate of return across all markets in regards to low or high effort content. I won't repeat it word for word because I can't remember it word for word. But it was so impressively dumb, not just in the claim itself, but the formulation of the claim that I think it alone, as like three sentences, could be like a 50 minute video or something, just explaining all the facets in which it is wrong. And that's all that's been running through my mind for like the last 20 hours minus the five that I slept. I think that's in part why I try and stay away from this, this stuff these days, because I just can't stop dwelling on stuff that I find stupid. and going over in my head the uh, the way that I would respond to the claims and whatnot. It's just not worth the mental effort because I know the amount of time it will take to make a video on that claim is extraordinary in the same way that it takes a minute to say bullshit, but it can take like astronomically longer to explain why it is bullshit. And so it's almost tempting to just ignore the reaction stuff and just focus on this one claim in part because it does actually relate to reaction content. At least if you look at my first essay that I made at the very end, like at the very end in like the appendix kind of area, I talk about the distortionary effect that reaction content has on the market in that it, unlike most other forms of content, is high effort content produced for low effort on a level that no other content is able to achieve. 
See, I don't want us to sit here and talk about it for a day. But I, I don't think Destiny realizes that the profitability of something isn't inherent specifically to it, but the conditions of the market in which it is put out. So making specific claims about, oh, high effort content is always less compensated than low effort content or, or the inverse is completely nonsense because it will depend upon the market in which it is put in. Like you might have the choice between making 50 horror movies or one Marvel movie. Like they could cost the exact same, but obviously they don't have the same potential for profit. Like every horror movie is gonna have the same rate of return while competing with 49 other horror movies. Even if an individual horror movie may have a higher rate of return due to low cost, if it was just released in of itself. Like I'm rambling, I know, uh, especially because I haven't given a lot of context, but it, it's, it's very fascinating to me. Like this is the sort of stuff that I used to live for, chat. Like I used to just talk about these kind of things and then and, and break down claims and explain the problems with them all fucking day. And it's such a waste of my time. <laughs> I enjoy the, what I do more. I don't like this toxic losing sleep over thinking about this shit. I don't think I'm good at it. I can't just be one of these people who just rips things out of their ass and asserts them with absolute confidence with about four seconds of consideration, right? I, I just can't do it. It's just not in me. I suppose though, if it was my livelihood, <laughs> maybe I could, but I wouldn't want to. I just don't think it's ethical. But that's what you need to win in the politics game. Just without a second thought, just here is my claim. I'll die by this claim. I'm 100% right. What are you doing? Shut up. I heard about this four seconds ago. I already know what's true. Are movie recap channels as bad as reaction channels? What's your opinion on those movie recap YouTube channels? They only show like 20 minutes of the movie, but it can probably replace you watching the movie. So if you look at fair use guidelines, it doesn't really say that taking small portions of something will necessarily have you pass fair use. It talks about like the heart of the work. It's why we talk about substitutes for the original rather than pure recreations or re-uploads whatever of the original work. It is absolutely true that a person who just makes fast content of a movie where they condense the entire movie down to a shorter duration can definitely act as a substitute for the original work. And I wouldn't necessarily consider that to be creative work either. I don't really think that helps any of us for existing. And it's ultimately people who just want to avoid all the difficulties required in making some actual creative work and instead just summarize movies so they can hammer them out at the speed of sound. Some people will get bots to read the Wikipedia plot, plot synopsis and put some images to it just because they can hammer them out so quickly. And I don't think any of that's good, no. Like it can certainly be the case that say, a review of a movie can give away aspects of the movie or at least show images from it and stuff, but that's not a complete substitute, right? And certainly there is a benefit to society for having things like reviews to inform people's choices in terms of what they consume. Did this cause Trevor to kill Johnny in GTA 5? Someone pointed out something um, in my recent Trevor Law video. So someone commented something about this part with Trevor and Motherfucker. I'll show you the scene. At many points in time during the game when Trevor's mum is insulted, Trevor gets really irate. He also gets very defensive if he's ever called a motherfucker. Creepy old motherfucker. I find your t-shirt more than a little offensive. I'm talking to you, motherfucker. Who else you think I'm talking to, homeboy? I'm getting bored of this. What? It's what? not legally fucking if you do not penetrate. So one thing I didn't acknowledge, but I remember when someone pointed out, is that Johnny at the beginning of the game calls Trevor a motherfucker. Trevor! I'm talking to you, motherfucker! Are you? And that might be one of the things that contributed to setting off Trevor and ultimately resulting in Johnny's death. As if, potentially, if Johnny didn't call him a motherfucker, he'd still be alive. I was like, that's an interesting observation. 
honestly. And would have been good to be in the video. Should YouTube Originals make a comeback? At Dark Viper U, do you remember the special series that were made by big creators on YouTube Red oh, Premium? Yeah. Do you think Premium will be more popular now if they were still produced? I would imagine it would be more popular because, I mean, they'd be more valuable to YouTube Premium. But I imagine the reason why they stopped making it is because it wasn't pushing enough YouTube Premium subscriptions for it to be worth it. I mean, I can tell you right now how many views I got from YouTube Premium if you like. So in the last 28 days, I got roughly 2 million YouTube premium views out of 15 million views. So it's a bit more than 10%, 10, 15%. What is your opinion on YouTube increasing YIT premium prices? I find it annoying because I already feel it's a bit overpriced Viper. Ultimately, it depends on how much time you spend on YouTube. Like for me, I watch so much YouTube that it is the best value subscription that I have by far. And if you're a person who uses YouTube music, which is like 90% as good as Spotify apparently, then that's just even more value, right? I don't use that. I use Spotify because I, I need it for stream because it has all the playlists I, I, I have for it. And I, I like the, the desktop app. But for the average person, you can get all your music needs on YouTube Premium and then effectively like you're just saving the money you'd spend on Spotify. I don't know how much they're raising prices by, but in my view, YouTube Premium does have a lot of value. It's unfortunate that some of that value, which is like the ability to minimize YouTube app and listen to just audio or whatever, that was a feature everyone used to have, but they moved it to YouTube Premium. It's unfortunate that that's how some of the value was made, but value is still there. And I am aware there are apps that can give you some of all the functionality of YouTube Premium, but most people, of course, will never use these things because A, they won't find out about them, and B, won't be tech-savvy enough to even look for them. The YouTube engine advertising YouTube Premium will always reach more people than people using those third-party things anyway, right? YouTube recommendations are so much better than Spotify. As a person who does not look for music, honestly, that could be true, and that makes me want to try out YouTube music, to be honest. Would I ever make a video game? I would never create a game. I don't have any passion for it. I don't know anything about coding. One of the things I think that inspires creativity is having the foundational tools necessary to conceive of things you could make with those tools and then want you're wanting to make them. Because I know nothing about coding, I know nothing about the underlying nature of video games, I don't get that kind of creative inspirational thoughts. You'd think I'd have them just playing games, but I don't. I'm not sure why. I occasionally think of like books that I would write, ideas for that, while listening to audiobooks and stuff. I sometimes invent my own stories or magical worlds or power systems or whatever for such fantasy worlds, but I, they never really go anywhere. I am creatively fulfilled by what I do on YouTube. I suppose I'm not in a way because I my physical body and my tiredness all the time prevents me from making the things that I want to make. I got so many cool ideas and stuff, but I just don't have six hours of energy of a day. ChatGPT liked my essay. Do you use ChatGPT, other AI writing tools for scenarios slash essays? The most that I use ChatGPT for is this. I will give this prompt to ChatGPT. Based on the following YouTube video transcript, suggest 10 engaging clickable titles, write one description with three paragraphs focusing on key search words, give 500 characters, four tags, no hashtags, no numbers. Some variation of that. The amount of times where I've taken one of the titles is like one in a hundred. ChatGPT is terrible at making titles. But because it throws out a bunch of words and I read them all, I can like synthesize and think of something that's actually good. The description, I, I, I'm not even sure it really matters on modern YouTube. Therefore, I'm going to put no time into it. It's just a waste. Tags as well. Even YouTube says they don't seem to matter at all. So I'm just like, screw it. 
just get the AI to give me some and I'll chuck them in there. Although, I happen to be on chat GPT for a completely different reason recently. And for the hell of it, I split my original React essay into two parts. Because you can't put like 14 pages of information into chat GPT. So I gave it seven pages and another seven pages. I said to it, what do you think of this essay? Rate it, synthesize it, t- summarize it. And it was like, it's a really good essay. You do a very good job. I'm like, oh, thank you, ChatGPT. Thank you. <laughs> and it summarized it well. And I was like, oh, good. Not perfectly, mind you, but the AI man likes my writing. In your essay, How the React Griff Works, you thoroughly examine the issue of React content in the online content creator ecosystem. You argue that Reactors exploit the work of others by presenting reactions to content they haven't seen, effectively siphoning views and revenue from original content creators. You discuss the competitive nature of the content creator marketplace and the finite nature of exposure. You draw parallels between React capitalism and traditional capitalism, emphasizing the lack of consent and compensation in React content creation. The second part of your essay builds upon these arguments addressing potential legal risks and the lack of consent in React content creation. You challenge the notion of consent, suggesting that Reactors exploit creators and only stop when faced with copyright strikes. You also critique the concept of fair use, asserting that React content falls short of its principles. Throughout the entire essay, you maintain a strong and engaging tone, advocating for the rights of content creators and critiquing the practices of reactors. Your essay provides a comprehensive analysis of the issue, covering economic, legal, ethical, and quality-related concerns in the world of React content. It is well-structured, but its length and dense content might benefit from clearer breaks for readers and the inclusion of counter-arguments to strengthen your overall argument. Of course, it was just a draft, so I was never gonna do that. Like, some of that is, like, pretty close. Bit of a different summation than the one that Charlie gave, let's be real. I avoid giving my fans channel feedback for this reason. I get DMs from people sometimes who ask me to like review their content and give them feedback and stuff. And I almost never do. In all the people who have submitted to edit for me directly, I probably give feedback to maybe like 1% of them. Maybe me and Shadow will 5% of it because I just don't have the time. Any channel, any person's content, you could write pages and pages and pages. If I do it for one person, I feel like I have to do it for everyone. The exclusive benefits of being a channel member. So I just released my sixth episode in the All Awards series. This was the biggest regret of my life, the 100% award challenge, number six, GG Online. An interesting thing that members may have noticed is that I released this video to members like four days before I released it to the public, but the one that the members got was eight minutes longer. I think the members version got like 300 views or something, so reason why people watched it. But the reason why the members version was eight minutes longer is because I didn't edit it. So the members saw the version edited by Tyler, and when I got a hold of it to make some small changes based on the feedback given by members, this required me to actually watch it in detail, and I ended up effectively re-editing it and removing eight minutes from it because it was a hell of a lot of repeating scenes and repeating information that was entirely unnecessary. What's interesting is that this episode is doing substantially better than the last two episodes, those that I didn't edit. And so either that's a coincidence or my editing improved it significantly, which I do think it did. But it could also just be that the title and thumbnail is better, I'm not sure. Like I'm doing my best to not micromanage every single video that comes out on the channel now in the hopes of A, alleviating some stress for me, but also enabling me to spend my time on other things. But at the end of the day, I would love to microanalyze every single episode. 
if for nothing else, having two people work on a project generally makes it better, you know? But yeah, so if you want to become a member for my YouTube channel, you can potentially at times see the early version and the release version, and they might be different, if that's of interest to you. Answering your most interesting questions. Specifically when you're playing games such as Binding of Isaac and Noisa, I notice there's a lot of comments along the lines of when are you playing GTA or no GTA, etc. You're sure this is somewhat justified because GTA is a popular aspect of your content, but I was wondering if this bothers you to some extent. Do you feel pressure to consistently play GTA to cater to your audience? And is it frustrating if the content the viewers want to see doesn't align with what you want to do? Fortunately, most often the content I want to make does align with what people want to see. But you're always going to make someone unhappy. There's always people in here while I'm playing GTA like, hey, you going to play some Binding of Isaac today? Gonna play some noise today? You can't make everyone happy. But to what degree it bothers me is less dependent upon like what they say and more dependent upon me. When I've had a good night's sleep, I don't have a lot of stresses going on right now, I can take on the weight of the world and just not care. If I've had a bad night's sleep or I'm moving my sleep pattern or something, the smallest goddamn thing can set me off. I consider myself to be extraordinarily patient, right? Under normal circumstances. I will weather delays and work towards things that the average person would look at and go, fuck that shit. I would not do that in a million years. But if I haven't had a good night's sleep, holy shit, I'm just like, dude, I just wanna play Noita right now. Can you shut up? It's happened before. I don't think less of the people who ask these things and, and do I feel pressure to consistently play GTA? Maybe a tiny amount, but honestly, I more feel pressure to make enough new interesting ideas related to GTA that can keep my audience happy, keep my channel at the same size it is now and give the people who edit for me enough things to edit along with myself, of course. When I look at my box of footage that I have and I think, oh no, we're running out of things to edit. Do I have enough good ideas? That's when I kind of feel pressured to be like, get some GTA up in here. What's a, a new spin on this? What's a original idea with some twist that I can put here to make something original? Views on spelunking, caving, and claustrophobia. I don't really think I have any specific fear that like keeps me up at night in that way, but I think you'd have to be like crazy to not see a person trapped in a cave and get concerned and feel a little bit of anxiety, right? I am not a person who would want to be one of those people going and exploring unknown caves that people don't know what's in them and stuff. I can't imagine th that people ever find anything particularly interesting in those caves. I wouldn't mind going on some tour or something of caves, but uh, it's not a particularly interest uh, thing I'm interested in, no. What is the origin of my iconic profile picture? Well, it's a picture of me and I used to wear a particular white and gray jacket while I streamed. Don't know why, it was a pretty thick jacket. It was just a jacket that I really liked. Featured in a lot of my streams in the very, very early days. And this dude named The Real Roo just drew me with that jacket. And that was it. This was before I wore tank tops every stream. Perhaps if he'd done it a little bit later, that would have happened. He was one of the first viewers I ever met because I met him at PAX. We had a bit of a falling out at some point, I think. I, I, I'm not sure if we had an argument or something or he just stopped watching my content. I can't remember after all these years. But he came back fairly recently, actually, and I saw him in chat. So um, he's probably doing well, which is good. Is it possible that Twitch is purposely making discoverability bad for small streamers so that they go to other platforms to grow an audience to then bring to Twitch? I don't think that's true, no. A much bigger risk that would happen for them is that the people just gain an audience on another platform and stay there, right? Twitch obviously wants some ability for young, talented, energetic, passionate people to come into this game and potentially increase the like retention of people on the platform and stuff. Even if discoverability was good on Twitch, I don't think people would stop trying to advertise themselves on other platforms. It's a sound strategy. Like, even though discoverability is good on YouTube, I, of course, still advertise myself on every other platform, right? Having a diversified tool belt of tools to grow is, you know, a good thing. 
And I don't think that would change if uh, Twitch's discoverability was good. And they're always running the risk that another streaming platform could pop up that does have good discoverability for small streamers. And then lo and behold, everyone's just moving over there. Twitch's discoverability sucks because as I've talked about before, it's just a very hard thing to solve. And if they give too much discoverability to small streamers, it can potentially impact the uh, retention for the platform as a whole, as people are potentially bombarded with streams that are not that good. It's very hard to find the diamond in the rough. At what age would you personally retire from YouTube slash Twitch? I'm going to answer this question in a different way. With every passing year, I seem to have more bad days where I just don't feel very good. I don't have energy. I'm getting old. Things that I once did that were trivial are now more difficult to do. And I'm only 32. I don't take care of myself. I work too long, too many hours. I don't just chill. I don't sleep well. And this is all going to take a toll on me to the degree that eventually I may physically be unable to do the things I want to do on YouTube or Twitch, or I'm physically unable to do the things that you need to do on these platforms to compete with the younger generations. And therefore I would just like fade away. As I say, I, I never expect to specifically say I am retiring today. I expect to slowly wind things down until no one cares. I should take a break for a month. I know what I do with myself. You know what's never gonna retire? Hitting that like and subscribe button. Thank you for watching and I wish you all the best.